Hello, and welcome to the Diaspora Chiefs Podcast. We love having you here. This show is for ambitious Africans and Caribbeans in the diaspora who want to start, grow, and scale their business. And it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, high income skills, and know-how on all things digital to create the best lifestyle for you and your family. We know that you have it in you. And now, let's get started with the Diaspora Chiefs host, Victor Osio. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the Diaspora Chiefs podcast. I'm your host, Victor Osio. Today we have an amazing this time around, guys. If you're looking into like consolidate your business plan on the digital platform, this is the man to speak with. So today we, without any further ado, we welcome Mr. Nana Perry, who is the founder and CEO of Metia Digital. Metia Digital builds cost-effective applications based on your business strategy for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Nana, welcome. Thank you, Victor. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to uh, speak to everyone. Uh, as Victor said, my name is Nana, and today I'm going to be speaking to you about how to secure angel investment for your company and also talk about the concept of bootstrapping and what some of the benefits of that are. What is Metal Digital all about? So so my, my company, um, basically the idea is that if you are someone who has a new idea, whether you're a small business or a founder or soon-to-be entrepreneur, you'll basically take your idea, we'll do some validation to understand whether the market is actually uh, wants this product um, by speaking to your users, by doing some competitor analysis. And then we provide a recommendation to basically say, right, we think this is how you should build the product. And then if you'd like us to build the app or the website, uh, we'll we'll do that. Um, And we work with small businesses and founders doing lots of different things from entertainment to procurement to events. So yeah, lots of different industries. So Nana, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into building these amazing services? Uh, From Ghana originally, but been brought up in London for most of my life, uh, for all of my life, actually. I'm a full-time entrepreneur, have been so for the last five years, and I was previously in IT consulting for big technical firms. I, after I left those jobs, I raised over £200,000 in agent investment for a music startup that I founded. And I've also invested in other startups and assisted other founders with raising uh, their rounds. My main business, as discussed, Metier Digital, uh, we generate six-figure revenue for the past two years and we are profitable in our second year. And the reason I'm talking to you about this is because I've raised money through angel investment and I've also bootstrapped so I can give both perspectives. Absolutely, absolutely. What is the difference between angel investment and bootstrapping? So what's the difference? So angel investment is really when um, an, an individual invests in an early stage business in exchange for equity, for shares. Um, bootstrapping is the idea that you're building a company from its revenue. So from sales, you're not taking in outside investment or loan capital. So it's more difficult, but potentially more rewarding because you're able to establish early on whether you actually have um, a business worth building or not that's the key difference that's fantastic that's fantastic um do you kind of um pick which route the entrepreneur should go or is it kind of through their business model after discussing with them 
And really, it depends on what type of business you want to build. So if you are someone who is interested in building a startup, so by definition, um, you know, high growth in, in revenue, you know, multi-millions, uh, probably burning a lot of cash in the beginning, uh, but with a view to either be purchased by a company or to um, have an initial public offering, go on the stock exchange, you know, you're likely to require venture capital money to be able to do this over many rounds. And the main goal, as I said, is to exit. So if this is the kind of business you want, then it's more likely that you're going to want to go for down the investment route because you may not individually have the capital to be able to spend the amount of money that's required to generate the, the business at the level that you'd prefer. However, I don't, I don't like the term lifestyle business, but this is effectively what we mean. It's creating and sustaining a business over an appropriate level of time to the requirements of the founders rather than actually trying to build something really, really quickly in, in a high growth manner. Um, it still can be big, uh, you know, big company, big revenue, big profits. Um, and you can always check out the company Basecamp by a guy called Jason Freed, who really advocates this idea of um, bootstrapping and, you know, having this kind of lifestyle business that grows slowly over time. But if you do want this kind of business, you're less likely to need venture capital. You're more likely to be able to grow the business through retained profits. Um, and the great thing is compared to a startup where as you go through the rounds and you have less and less equity in the business, most of the ownership is retained in the business by the founders. If you have this kind of bootstrapping lifestyle business, you may never need investment and the pressure, even though it's always high starting a business, it's probably less because you don't have investors breathing down your neck um, and you're able to have a lot more autonomy in terms of the decisions that you make. Most of us in our community, we mostly, we don't even, I'm not sure if there's a disparity between um, startup or lifestyle, but we just go into business. We don't even know if it's the lifestyle mm -hmm. business or if it's a startup business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the things I'd like to say based on that is I'd encourage people to think about what kind of business they actually want to build because it can determine the routes that you go down. But I do think just, you know, starting as you know, I have an idea and I want to go into business, that's completely fine. But they need to have, I think they need to have this in the back of their mind to determine, you know, what kind of life do they want running a particular type of business. You are 100% right. Absolutely. I agree with you. See, now, I have an idea for a startup. What steps do you follow to raise funds for your businesses or for a startup? So the first thing is uh, be clear on why you need investment. The concept of getting investment from individuals or big companies or venture capitalists is very attractive, especially in the media. It's all you know, I raised 20 million, I raised 50 million, etc. However, don't get sucked in to the idea that investment is the be all and end all. Investment is not a determination of success. What is success is, at least in my, from my perspective, is if you are creating a, a business, a profitable business. So be clear on why you need investment. Make sure you're not just following the fads or the trends. If you do need a certain amount of money to kickstart your business, that's fine. But just understand why that is. Then once you've decided you do need investment, then it's all right. How much money do you actually need? And it's quite difficult to answer this question sometimes. But generally, when you're starting a new venture, 
what I like to do is really think about in detail how much will I spend on technology, how much will I spend on advertising, uh, how much will I spend on, you know, staff, all these things, try and get as accurate uh, numbers as possible, but then multiply that number by 2.5. Because from my experience, the number that you think is exactly the amount you need, certain things are going to come up that aren't anticipated and you're going to need money to either solve those problems or make those decisions. Especially if it's your first venture, uh, there needs to be an understanding that you are going to be spending money on making some mistakes because part of the early part of starting a business is learning. So I think it's very important to make sure you have that buffer, but you also need to make sure that um, whatever the multiply of the 2.5 is, it's not so much that you'll, you'll end up giving away all your company's equity as a result. So then have a think about what are you going to spend the money on and where will it get you to? So a lot of people do understand what they'll spend the money on, but what people often forget is at what point will it get you to? Will it get you to you know, 20,000 pounds in revenue? Will it get you to zero revenue, but you would have built your product? Just understand where that money will get you so that when you're explaining this to investors, they understand where they're investing their money because they're going to want to know where you go. If you're going to need to raise money again, where will that potentially come from? I get that. I get that. Preparation is key. You need to know your figures. My question now will be, how do you know your initial evaluation for your startup because you've not traded? So can you just let us know how you do measure them? Or Big question I'm always asked, what is the valuation of your company? Um, from an early stage, I mean, it very much depends. What I'd like to say to people is the valuation of your company is in effect what people will, are willing to spend to buy into it. So if someone is willing to give you £100,000 for 10% of your company, then your company is worth a million pounds. Some people may not, uh, are not able to do that or do not believe in your valuation. I've had many instances where I say, you know, my company's worth 2 million and they say, no way is it worth 2 million. Um, and then at the time they were right, but it's partly a trial and error when it's an early stage. But generally, if it's a tech company, uh, anywhere between £100,000 and £500,000 is what the early uh, valuation is. And if you have a product, even if it's a, a beta or an early version, that is intellectual property within your business. So you are able to potentially base the valuation on that. And it's always good to look at other companies to see what their valuations are and see if you can track backwards to see what your valuation would be at you know 10 years before they're at their 10 million valuation for example yeah but just just, just me is there is there is there any resource for us to be able to like evaluate our um, startup or our business assistance there are so if you look at seed camp uh, they have some really good blog articles about value valuing your early business um so if you google seed camp valuing my business uh you'll be able to find some good content there are some uh, kind of startup valuation calculators as well, but I'm not sure how good they are. It's because unfortunately, this isn't a, a, an exact science at this stage. It is about convincing people and believing yourself how much 
the valuation of your company is. It's different if you have been trading for a while. You can use formulas and specific multipliers that will determine what the valuation of your company would be based on the industry that you're in. But at the early stage, between 100 thousand to five hundred thousand is pretty normal um and then adding on things like oh i have an advisor who's extremely experienced that in effect increases the valuation of your company because you're lowering the risk of failure so you don't just you don't just pluck figures from the air and say okay based on my gut feeling or- no 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 you don't i mean the the key thing though is to remember that there is uh, when when you're talking about valuation from an investor perspective they will effectively determine what the valuation of your company is because if you you have one investor that's willing to put in a certain amount for a certain number of shares that in effect determines what your valuation is and different investors may value your company in a different way but it's up to you to take the learning that you have from speaking to these investors plus what you see in terms of your own research to determine what that valuation is and that valuation can change and move depending on what's happening in the market at any one time. But um, yeah, it will. you do need to do primary research by speaking to investors and um, things like that, but also do your own secondary research in determining what companies out there that are like yours that have a similar valuation. So then the next question is, uh, how much equity or how many shares will investors get for the money? So when you're starting out, you don't really want to be giving away more than 5 to 15% equity in your business because a if you're going to raise more money later you'll continue to dilute and get less and less shares as the founder of the business but ultimately the equity will you you can decide i'm i am willing to give away 10 percent equity at this stage for ten thousand pounds or a hundred thousand pounds you can decide that however when it comes to actually doing the negotiation with investors you know you can you can move it you can flex it so maybe because the investor has particular knowledge or a particular access to your market, you may decide, all right, I'm willing to give this investor 15% for the same amount of money because they're bringing in added value. But it's really important when you're starting to determine, okay, I'm going, I want this investor to get this amount of money for this amount of shares. And then depending on how the conversation goes, you can change that. So then you've got to create your investor presentation. So this is normally an investor deck of about 10 to 13 slides. um, And it will have content such as the problem you're solving, what the solution is, some details about your product, whether you created it or not, or how it could potentially look once you've created it, the size of the market and how much of that market you're going to get, um, how much traction you have, so how many uh, users do you have or how much revenue or how many customers do you have your team uh, you know to show a diverse set of skills to be able to bring this to market as well as any advisors you have um, some details about your competition who are your competitors and why are you different to them what's your unique selling points and also your financial information so your financial projections and what you're going to do with the money in terms of the breakdown so that's generally what ends up in an investor presentation. Uh, They don't have a lot of time, some of these investors, so you want to keep it to 10 to 13 slides. It can be difficult, but it is possible. Um, And you're never going to have one version of the presentation. There'll be multiple versions that you end up using. Okay, so the question you then have to ask yourself is what type of investor are you looking for? And sometimes we get this view that investors are basically older, rich, white, males who have some money to give whereas investors come in all different shapes and sizes and genders 
So don't limit your view of what an investor is. An investor could be just someone uh, who's, um, you know, coming to some money and they don't want to invest, put the money in the ISA because the ISA is only retaining 3% in terms of um, a savings return. They may want to go into something a little bit more risky with uh, high risk, high return. So the type of investor you're looking for is important. And, and there's this difference between smart money versus dumb money. Smart money is uh, an investor who is also bringing experience or contacts or network or access to a market. Um, dumb money could just be someone who has money but can add no further value to your business. Generally, people are looking for smart money, but there's a place for both. Sometimes you might want to mix it up. You might want to have you know, a couple of investors who are able to progress your business, but then you want some people who are just putting in money, will be silent investors, will leave you alone um, and just want to come to the shareholders meeting once a year and figure out how the business is doing. So how do you, how, how do you determine, is it, is it up to you to know what you actually want before you start approaching investors? Or um... I think it's important. Yeah, I think it's important to know what kind of investor you're looking for because there are investors who are very, very business focused and they'll call you once a week and, you know, they'll challenge you and they'll help you grow as people. If that's the kind of investor you want, I think it's important to have that in a in a document or in a list somewhere. Because we have to remember sometimes as founders of businesses, we're so desperate for the investment. We forget that this is a two-way conversation. We need to determine if the person on the other side who's given the money is the right person for our business as well, based on experience and based on personality. So I think it's good to have a profile to understand what is your kind of perfect investor and you can assess when you're speaking to them how close they are coming to that. Wow, that's very insightful. I guess this comes with experience anyways because knowing smart money and dumb money, I'll take smart money any day because of um, the value that they consistently add. But like you said, depends on um, a little bit, a healthy mix of both will be nice so this brings us to how do we actually find these investors investors are effectively you know they're everywhere but um the ways that i typically find them through my own network and through my uh business colleagues and, and friends networks through linkedin and uh through apps kind of there's an app called shaper s-h-a-p-r uh, where they have investors there's angel list as well um, and different startup resources that you can find online to help find investors but most of the investors that I've had have all been through introductions they've all been people that I've met at a networking event who are not explicitly asking them for investment but over getting to know them and connecting with them I find that they are people that are investing in businesses or they know people who are investing in businesses. So the key thing here is in terms of finding them, you need to create your own luck by putting yourself in the right places so that you're more likely to get access to them. And this could be uh, networking events or panel discussions and things like that. Absolutely. That's so true. That's so true. I am a believer of making my own luck. But Nana, do you have any investor approach techniques? My technique in approaching investors when I want money is to never ask them for money. And it sounds a bit strange, but so far I've been most successful in raising money by asking people for advice. So a, a mentor of mine said to me, 
if you want if you want advice ask for money if you want the money ask for advice so one of the techniques i would use is um, someone i've identified and i've met a couple of times and built a relationship with i'll say hey i hope you're well i um about i'm about to meet some investors in the next couple of weeks it'd be really great to get your feedback on my investor deck so i'm ready for when i present to them and generally investors are types of people who don't want to miss out on a deal so they'll gen mostly genuinely be interested in what you're saying and what you're going to pitch to them to get feedback and also their guards their guard becomes um uh, their guards are down because they know that you're not trying to get them to give you uh, to get money all you want is feedback but i tend to find that when i'm approaching the conversation i can gauge whether they're interested in the opportunity or not so that's generally my approach and i'll go into a bit more detail in a second um as into my step by step approach of how to approach them cuz i was about to say that's kind of counterproductive not to be asking not to go for the kill straight away yeah i guess it depends i th- i don't think there's any one right approach um this is just my uh my approach and it's the one that works for me i'm sure there are other people that have received investment that have just called them and said look i need 100k yes or no but i've just found that the softer approach has worked for me and you know my investors come from all different backgrounds you know bangladeshi pakistani caribbean african um swedish italian lots of different backgrounds um and i've had a lot of no's as well i've had a lot of people say no to me which is part of the game it's it's very normal um so i think it's about finding the approach that works for you this is just how how the approach that works for me is it is it, is it possible for you to just share one one approach that you've had you 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 went for it boom and it comes back like no uh yeah let me let me think um so i met someone um through someone else he was in the music industry he'd worked with you know people like jimmy ivine the founder of beats headphones and you know i shared my business plan with him and uh he really he really liked it and he said look i'm flying to the us next week um so i don't know if we'll be able to meet again so i very openly said look this is how much i need this is what the product is you've seen everything you know me do you want to do this or not i'm happy to do you a good deal and then he said you know he was very reluctant to say at the time whether he would be willing to do it or not and then he came back the next day and said you know i've actually considered that there's a competitor out there that i think is going to do it better um so i'm not going to going to invest and you know it was very it was very early in my kind of venture into raising money and it was very hard to take i was very very disappointed because i'm sure i thought it was a dead cert but i've also learned no investment is done until you see the money in your account other than that it's just not done so yeah I've had, and i've had you know i've been laughed one time i was you know laughed out of a room um you know when i was pitching it was very early on and you know they basically weren't impressed with my pitch at all and they were kind of you know arrogant uh, in terms of the, the people i was pitching to and you know again that's a bit of a scar but these are all things that just are unless i believe are necessary to grow as individuals and grow in the process and it's like anything the more you practice the better you become at it what you saying is until the money hits there's no yeah. investment yet correct yeah until even if they sign the term sheet and say yes i'm happy with this equity they sign their application of shares they agree with the shareholders agreement all of this stuff until i see the dollars <laughs> the dollars or pounds in the bank account 
the investment to me is not done. I will continue to find other investors or continue to run the business as well. It doesn't matter if this, if, if you, if an agreement has been reached or not. Well, I guess legally, if they sign a document and say they're going to deposit the funds, then yes, I guess. But ultimately, for me, my goal is to get the money. That's my goal. So if I, if my, if I don't get the money, then I haven't been successful in my approach. So I would, I would, people can pull out at any time. You know, I have had investors pull out very close to the last minute. It has happened. So I would just say to people, get into the mindset of, you know, until, until that person has deposited the money in your account, you've, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep looking for the people. Don't go be celebrating and be drinking. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, so what, what are your processes? What are other processes that you actually use? So what I do is I create a list of targets of people and I put next to each individual what the relationship status is in terms of is it strong, medium or weak? If it's weak, I need to do more work to get them to a point where I can put myself in a position to ask them for investment. If it's strong, I know that I can maybe go in a bit harder and try and get the meetings in a bit quicker. But I approach this from a sales perspective. I'm very calculated and very, um, I have a clear process. So I will have what I call a new lead investor. I will then screen them to see if they have the capital and the experience. Do they fit my investor profile? Um, Are they cold, warm or hot leads? Um, So I literally take them down through a sales funnel. And I think it's important for people to understand that this is an effect sales. Someone is buying a product from you the product just happens to be the shares in your business so i think you have to treat it like that um, and be very methodical so i then set up the meetings initially it's just a face-to-face coffee tea kind of drink no presentation deck just having a chat discussing the business and then i will gauge their interest to see if they fit my investor criteria Um, if so i'll then set up a more formal pitch meeting Uh, so I can get advice on the deck. Um, And then I go through the deck and determine if they are further interested. I then directly ask them if they're interested in investing. And if they say yes, uh, I set up a meeting to negotiate the equity, the funding. And if they're not interested, I try and find out why. Why aren't they interested so I can learn. So if we agree on how much money I'm going to get from the round, what the valuation of the company is, and the amount of equity and shares, I then send them something called a term sheet which determines, it's just a document that says, this is how much equity you would have, this is how much equity is still in the business, um, et cetera. Um, Get them to sign it, as well as an application of shares letter, which is a letter that they send me to say, I, X, Y, Z, the the name of the individual. So then I really then push to get the document signed and express urgency into getting the funds into the account. And then I give them uh, a shareholder certificate. This is gold right here. This is gold. Do you actually get no or you get the negative the negative feedback or the no feedback from potential investors and how do you deal with it? And um, does it come across to you as if they want to just say no outrightly or just being subtle about it? I always I always tend to do that. I always make sure that I ask them, you know, why is it that they said no? And they're normally fine. Some, some don't like to say no, um, mainly because they feel that 
um, they don't want to lose the opportunity of um, uh, potentially having coming in later at a later round if they find out that you're successful. They don't like that idea. Um, but yeah, definitely ask them if they get, if they, if they, they they don't like the idea that they missed out. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There are definitely there are many investors who missed out on Uber in the first round, second round, but then they come in in the third round, Airbnb, these kind of companies. So yeah, it's um, it's important to ask them why, but don't assume that you're going to get a straight answer because they don't want to preclude themselves from maybe if they find out in the news that you're really success- successful, they may give you a call and say, hey, remember me? You know, be really interesting to have another conversation. Have you had any experience like that? I have, yeah. One of our one uh, one of our investors in the music startup. He um, first time round, he wanted a really hard deal, a deal that I couldn't give him because it would be in effect giving he would pay less money but get more equity than some of the earlier shareholders, which is which I felt was not fair um, based on the value he was he was bringing at the time. But then uh, two maybe eighteen months later. The business's valuation had grown a bit more. Um, I was able to show the traction and what we've been able to do. And he then came in again, but at a more reasonable deal. So, yeah, I've had people who said no first time or I've declined, but then later they um, become investors. So, 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 so it's not like after they say no or passed out, you shut the door? A hundred percent, yeah. You shut I think the door on anyone before? I have not. I've never shut the door on anyone, no, never. And I think it's important to make sure that you don't shut the door on people because you just never know what's going to happen. Maybe your first, second, third business doesn't work out, but this particular investor that said no earlier or you said no to might be perfect for your fourth business. So it's really important to keep those relationships open. So relationship, so relationship plays a big, plays a vital role. Vital role. Very, very vital role. Yeah. You will probably get more no's than yeses when it comes to investment. And just to let people know that's okay. It's like, sales you know you probably speak to four people you probably get one sale it's very normal even in the biggest businesses in the world so don't get disheartened if you get no's it's it's perfectly normal that's great what about in terms of timing what are we looking at the typical duration and just in terms of timing um you know it can take three months it can take six months it can take longer but these things do take time. It's unlikely that in one month, unless you have established relationships, that you're going to get all the money and get everything together. If you're starting from the beginning, it's going to take some time and that's okay. Oh, that's a great expectation to know that it takes time because sometimes people might get, guys, if you're listening and if you're watching, know that don't get frustrated after one month or two months or three months. Yes, Nana, thank you very much for breaking things down for the Diaspora Ships tribe. I know you've been successful raising funds through angel investors and you have tons of experience doing that. You did mention in the beginning about um, bootstrapping. Can we? Can you share more light on that? Well, I particularly believe that bootstrapping is the best way. And just a reminder, bootstrapping is you don't take external investment, you don't take loans, you generate revenue through sales and you build the business through retained profit. So the good thing about bootstrapping is you're forced to determine whether your business idea is an actual viable business before you get money. So I think that's important because it strengthens your valuation as well. It, bootstrapping also allows you to be customer focused. So you're really, really focused on generating sales. 
And that's a really good habit to get into from the beginning. You're able to keep your equity share high and consistent. So you remain a majority owner of the business and you can build the business steadily rather than having to you know, build extremely aggressively over five to seven years. You can build steadily and still generate millions doing that. And you can also do it on the side and not quit your job until you can see that there's actually evidence that this is a real business. Some people, I've made the mistake before of quitting my job too early um, and then the, the money that I saved or the money that I had runs out very quickly and I'm not able to generate sales as quickly as well. So with the costs of starting a company, a digital company, especially much lower today, you're able to do it on the side, evenings, weekends, and see if there's something there before deciding to, to quit. So you don't just go, you don't go out and say, whoa, I think I've seen the unicorn here and just like quit a yeah. job. I, I wouldn't recommend it. It depends on on an individual. There's no right or wrong way to do these things. Some people will feel that they can't do this unless they quit their job and that's fine, but there are obviously other risks involved. But my recommendation is always to stay in a stable job, build the idea on the side so you can collect some evidence that it's worth quitting your job for. So what, so can you just name one or two evidence that you need like on your part that yeah. you need um, to like, go full-time? Yeah. So I think it's one of them is definitely some sales. So whether it's, you know, some kind of recurring sales, whether it's month by month, you're getting a, and it doesn't really matter so much early on getting the exact right price point. It's just about, can you show evidence that you can sell because selling is the, the, the breadth of a business. And then secondly, I think it's, are you, are you matching? Are you starting to get close to matching the amount of money that you would make outside doing it full-time whilst you're doing it on the side. If you are, that's really good evidence that if you were to give yourself and free up more time, you'd be able to generate even more revenue that will help the business grow even further. One thing about bootstrapping is you have to solve problems creatively and quickly. When you have investors and you have cash in the bank, it's very easy to throw money at problems. Whereas when you are doing it through bootstrapping, you have to find ways to creatively solve problems cheaply as well. So it makes you a lot more diligent and a lot more creative with the solutions that you come up with. Yeah, to me, I, I believe bootstrapping makes you more resourceful, not just yeah. about the resources, but more resourceful. I agree. You, you leverage as much as you want, as much net with your relationship as possible. Exactly, exactly. Um, and it's very difficult to do. It builds up uh, strength and character and resilience, which is very, very important for entrepreneurs. Very important. Tunana, as a diaspora chief, if they want to get in touch with you now, how can the audience get in touch with you to take their ideas from, from ideation stage into an actual business so that you can help them to walk through these steps? If anyone uh, has an... Uh, a particular idea they're not sure how to start um, we do uh, offer some some help in terms of a starter pack that gives them basically a plan and some calls with us with me and my team to ask any questions and determine um, what their approach needs to be as well as some templated documents so like a financial model some help in terms of their business plan etc yes if anyone wants to get in contact with me they can email me on nana n-a-n-a at metierdigital.com or they can find me on on linkedin under nana parry and yeah i'd be happy to to help and have a have a discussion with anyone that's interested we are coming up to the end of the show now is there any key points you'd like us to be mindful of 
just three key points you know treat getting investment like sales if that's the route you want to go down consider bootstrapping before taking any investment because you can understand whether it's a really viable business and then remember this this stuff luck is involved even the most successful businesses in the world some luck has been involved but you have to try and make your own luck and put yourselves in the right positions and do the right things so that some of this luck can potentially come off and help you grow your business yeah you mentioned you mentioned creating unlock the first time and can you just repeat what uh, you mean by creating unlock um i can give you a personal example that i have so um i went to morocco to visit a uh, a friend of mine I ended up stuck in the airport. I uh, was with another man who was also there. We ended up talking, having a chat. I found him very interesting. We exchanged details. And then six months later, he called me and said he has a friend who wants to build seven applications and he has a budget of £100,000. Can you do it? And I said, yes, we can do it. So, um, and I got a team together to make that happen. So by creating your own luck, I mean putting yourselves in positions where you're open-minded, you're speaking to people, you're learning continuously because you never know who might call you in three months, six months, who, you know, may, may want something from you or may change the, the direction of your business in a positive way. And don't think it's all going to happen overnight. You do need to, you know, get yourself out there and, um, yeah, make your own luck. Thank you, Nana Perry, for your time with us today. And we are very grateful. You are a true diaspora and chief. So I wish you and your team the best of luck, the best of 2019 and more wins to you guys. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. My diaspora chiefs, thank you for hanging out with us today on this episode. More info and show notes can be found online at um, www.diasporashiefs.com. Please subscribe and share this podcast with friends and ambitious Africans and Caribbeans in the diaspora who wants to start and launch um, the digital lifestyle business. Thank you and I'll see you next week for a new episode.